Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Block Talk Radio. Welcome to the Great Iron Blitz, right here on TuneIn, Apple Podcasts, and Block Talk Radio. Your host, Oscar Lopez, episode 232 in the house, and we're going to have a great show today. We're previewing the WFA National Championship today. It's going to take place this weekend, and so we are going to have in the house today from the Orlando Anarchy, who will be facing the Arkansas Wildcats, a rematch of the 2017 National Championship in Division Three. We will have in the house today uh, Chandace Hunter, Melinda Sparks, the owner of the Orlando Anarchy. And later in the hour, at the top of the next hour, we're going to have Joe Vincent talking about Kansas City Titans and Brooke Leisha's future in Kansas City for next season and things that transpired during this season. Um, so we'll talk to them and, or we'll talk to him in about an hour or so. Uh, but in the house, we are going to have the return of the uh, WFA All-Star, as well as our uh, championship quarterback, Luis Bean, in the house, as they uh, participated in the Best of the West Championship in Las Vegas. And so the Texas Elite Spartans edged the Utah Falcons 22-15 to in the last quarter, uh, last couple minutes of the last quarter. And then, uh, so we're going to dive into that as well. And we'll dive into the results of the IWFL championship. And so uh, we'll go from there in terms of, you know, what we're doing there. So um, so let's bring in the house, the WFA All-Star and the uh, championship quarterback, Luis Bean. How are you guys doing today? Good, Oscar. Hey. Great. All right, guys, let's start it off here because you guys are literally, uh, you know, played the whole the whole game the live stream didn't go as well as we thought it would go but then um let me let me pull in troy here forgot about troy coming in so all right troy buddy sorry um college nfl guru troy wilson in the house as well um let's go with you holly holly uh the first game the live stream wasn't as good as it was there and apparently you were under the weather as well so things didn't pan out as well on on day one um, yeah, I think with the live stream, um, after going out to the high school, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that it's surround, surrounded by mountains and it's kind of out there. Um, it was definitely disappointing not to get the entirety of the broadcast up and running. Uh, we did have a couple of people on the sidelines that were streaming from their phones, you know, so, so that helped, but it was definitely not as cohesive as at least, you know, uh, the players would like. Um, and, yes, I did 
I was kind of battling a virus going into the game, and I thought I was feeling better, and then 24 hours before the game hit, it just, whatever hydration I had built up was just gone. And so it was a little bit rough, but, you know, um, uh, we did what we could with the heat, uh, and we got through it, and I am proud of us that even though we faced some adversity in that game, that we were at least able to be competitive um, and get through that game. So a little bit of a rough start, but we definitely picked it up in the second game. So, so Holly, speak to the first game. Um, the first game was 16-6. to six. Uh, Gallegos, obviously, final game is from what we uh, witnessed off the San Diego Search uh, Facebook page. So she's walking out pretty much not going to play anymore. This is pretty much her walk-off game. So it was kind of nice to have that in a sense. But also for you, I mean, this is game for her. So you kind of witnessed the uh, a quarterback legend pretty much um, leaving the game. Yeah, I mean, um, Melissa's always been a, a great quarterback. And one of the things that she does really well is she's kind of like Big Ben in a way. and She reminds me of Big Ben in that she stands in the pocket and she can throw very far deep downfield. Uh, she can throw 50, I think 50 yards pretty easily. Um, and so she's had a great career. I've played against her a couple of times. She has really good composure. Um, we knew going in that we had to make sure that we did, we uh, defended the deep ball. Um, it was a really good game for us. They only allowed seven points to their offense. They scored the other nine off the safety and, and a pick. Um, so, you know, for us, we were just really happy to have that strong showing against a team like San Diego. Um, we had a couple of chances to, to pull it out, um, and we were just, you know, a drop pass here um, and a missed assignment there from, from taking that game. So we, we were very pleased with our performance in that game. Um, I think that Melissa's a great quarterback. Um, I was able to – I was really close to sacking her four or five times and I eventually got to her, and I feel pretty special. To It's kind of one of those things, you know, uh, down the line when guys are like, oh, my gosh, I got to sack, like Aaron Rodgers. Like, that's, that's a big deal for me. So I was, I was pleased to, to actually get to her. Um, and, you know, congratulations to San Diego. They're a great team. Uh, um uh, Gertry is one of the, the best players out there right now. She's all over the all over the place. Cable is one of the, the best linemen, tight end people I've ever played against. So it was a great time. All right. Let's bounce it off to Luis here. Luis, uh, same kind of concept here, an adjustment to the weather. But uh, Utah pretty much first game was pretty good, and then you get the competitive game in the second game. But uh, overall, let's speak to the first game here. Um, how do you guys think you fared there? Um, well, we won, so that's a that's a good start off right there. Um, it was it was a little warm for the warm ups, um, but all in all, I don't feel like the weather, at least from our standpoint, was really much of an issue. Um, Utah's that same weather um, normally, so uh, we had upped our conditioning to pretty intense for the last seven weeks. And I wasn't there all the time in Utah. I was back and forth a lot. And so um, we would have a girl, her name was Maki, and she injured her knee. So she would record all the conditioning, and then I would go watch the conditioning, and then I would try and mirror that. <clears throat> but uh, when I was there, yeah, it was definitely the hardest conditioning we've ever done 
as I've been a member of the Falcons. So by the time we got there, I felt like it really wasn't a big deal for us. And it was just, it wasn't, it was only about 105. And um, I know a lot of people nationwide, whenever the, whenever the event was announced, felt like, oh, that's really dangerous and stuff like that. And I don't know what Holly would say about that, but, you know, we had tents and we had, um, you know, cooling and, and towels and all kinds of things. So um, that really wasn't an issue, at least for us. The game was a great game. I can tell you right now that uh, after playing Seattle twice recently this year and uh, Dallas once, that Kase, how do you say Kase's last name? Or is it, I, I, people call her Case or Kase. I don't know. What do you call her, Holly? It, it's, it's Kase Tupita. It's like, it's, I always, I just, She's like Madonna. I just feel like the first name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Kase is, uh, you know, definitely, uh, she's the best DN. I know they would move her around a lot to the interior, anywhere on the defensive line, but um, she's the best defensive line person, line men, the DN that I've ever played against. And I pay a lot of attention to DNs because that's your key read for the triple option. And she's just such a wide body, and wide bodies usually aren't as quick as she is, and she's she's lightning fast, and she's smart. And so, um, you know, when you're a triple option QB, you're keying in on that person, and you can oftentimes I feel like I can manipulate that, that player as far as if it's going to be a give or a keep or a pitch and stuff like that. And Kase, she's really hard to manipulate. She's the best that I've played against. And so that was awesome. I mean, we like Seattle, so we were happy we won. I didn't feel like we played um, on top of our game. Um, and obviously, yeah, the streaming was a pain. You know, the four teams had divided up different um, responsibilities for the tournament. Uh, we knew that it was going to not have any wireless when we were there. And uh, Dallas is the team that kind of took over um, the streaming uh, stuff. So uh, I went up after and did an interview up in the box after that game, and they just all said, you know, they were having problems and, you know, it was hopefully going to be fixed. So, you know, that's really a bummer because then you make it feel – it makes you feel that the that a tree fell in the forest and no one knew about it. And there was four great teams down there, four, you know, legit teams nationwide. So that part was a really bummer. Uh, but we're glad that we won. And, uh, and, yeah, it was definitely a great opportunity for the first game. Now in the second game, Luis, it was literally down to what under the under the minute mark for the difference there because it was really toe to toe on both sides. Uh, it was just a matter of you know one play over another, and literally that's what the score really reflects at twenty two to fifteen. Um, so the second game was a little bit more competitive uh, all the way down pretty much every quarter. You know that was a a great game, definitely a great game, and. You know, we lost, and so you have to give credit to um, Dallas in every way. Uh, you know, Dallas and the Falcons have different recruiting models. So it, they recruit to have a super team, and they had people coming in from out of state, and they had a lot of, uh, you know, all-stars and USA players, and they're very upfront and forthcoming about the type of team that they have. Um, and that's great. Uh our our recruiting model is different. We're obviously a much smaller market, a much smaller city. And um, 
I was very proud with our game plan, what the coaches had put into play to take advantage of any possible advantage that we could have. And I don't feel like people really gave us much of a chance to win, and that's okay uh, because they're not the ones playing the game. We were. And so um, we did a lot of little things um, Oh, in the month of June and July to prepare for all the teams. But uh, So we definitely um, did things for Dallas. But, you know, we take our homegrown talent, and uh, hats off to our coaches. We make them into stars and superstars. It's not easy to win as many games. I know people want to say, oh, they don't play a certain league, and they don't play a certain schedule. And and it's still not easy to win that many games. So, you know, the or, hats off to the organization. And, you know, the Falcons made money this year, actually. So that's a that doesn't happen in women's football very much. But uh, we, you know, we felt like that we had a definite um, opportunity to win that game. And when we went out with three minutes left, and it was they were up by seven, and there was three minutes left, and I'm thinking, hey, you know, this is this is what you dream about. This is what you ask for. You got three minutes left. You're down by seven. You've played a great game. I mean, as as far as for fans and also for us as members of the team, of the Falcons, um, we just implemented our game plan exactly how we wanted to, um, and that's the chance that you want. And you know what? It just didn't happen. And, um, and we had a couple chances, and, you know, I walk out there, and all the players on offense walked out there, and we're thinking, hey, this is our game to win. So it was there for the taking, but Dallas has some great athletes, have, uh, you know, great game plan. They played both of their quarterbacks, and Brittany Bushman, who's their number eight, who played this year, this all this year, um, well, then they only had, I think, uh, let's see, three uh, – they only had three games this year, so they beat you, uh, Holly. So yeah, three <laughs> games. So Brittany came back after a five-year hiatus. So I was talking to her after the game, and I talked to Melissa after the game, and and so uh, yeah, they have they got a big old old line, and and uh, so anyways, we lost, and that's just you know the Falcons can't win forever, and. Uh, but we were really we were sad. It's a bummer, you know. You want to win, and it was there for our taking, and we just didn't capitalize on it. So, um, but I'm super proud of our girls and um, just our coaching staff and our admin and and uh, and I, now I feel like that no one else can say, you know, the Falcons don't play anybody because um, they, I guess they still can. That's their freedom of choice, but. Um, We've played everyone on our schedule. We, I can, I can personally guarantee that we have tried to play um, quite a few teams in the West the last couple of years, uh, and for whatever reasons, the the games couldn't come about. I mean, we've tried to play the Slam and Kansas City. Both Dallas and us wanted to play last year after the IWFL Championship and the WFA Championship. We were all over that, and they were too, and it just didn't come about. Um, you know, Dallas and Utah are not that close. But both teams really wanted to play, so we're glad that we got to play this game. And, um, and you know, we tried to play L.A. this year. So it's not for uh, lack of trying to have bigger and better teams and games to play. Um, so, you know, it's just a bummer for that aspect. But, you know what, we came to play. We don't fear anybody. And uh, we've uh, just lost a couple games in our existence. So hopefully on to bigger and 
better even things after this. But it was a great tournament. It was super fun. I had a great time. And um, I was just really glad that we uh, got to play some good football. And I'm glad it was fun to see Holly, and it was just fun to see, you know, a lot of good players and uh, that kind of thing. All right. Sounded like you guys had a great time, great weekend. Um, we'll go into the huddle right now because uh, we've got our two guests coming on here. And the, the huddle is always sponsored by Zazzle.com. You can get leggings, gifts, everything else at Zazzle. Check out the daily specials. And you can also uh, subscribe to Zazzle Black for free shipping. So let's go into the huddle right now. And let's bring in the 2017 defending uh, runners-up of the uh, WFA Division Three, which is going to be Candace Hunter, the quarterback, and Melinda Sparks of the Orlando Anarchy, which are, they're going to be facing the WFA 2017 champion Arkansas Wildcats in a rematch. So, ladies, so welcome to the Blitz. You're on with uh, championship quarterback Luis Bean. WFA All-Star Holly Custis and our NFL uh, college girl, Troy Wilson. Hello. hello How you doing, hello. Melinda? Doing good. Awesome. Melinda, let's talk Thanks. about this excitement of rematch for ATL. This, this, you guys have been on a mission since last year. Uh, Arkansas on the same mindset here because they won it in surprise fashion, but you guys have literally played balls out this year, in, including your schedule with Division Two and anything, you know, that was put on the schedule. So was that something that you devised the schedule with to just kind of battle test your team? Um, actually, the schedule just sort of fell into place. The one addition we did add was a preseason game against the North Florida Puma. Um, but we've, we've definitely worked hard this year. Um, we um, we did well against everyone except for Tampa on June 9th. Um, and it's just been – each and every game has been um, testing things and growing from what we learn each and every time. Um, we do have one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, so uh, hats off to Candace. Definitely flinging the ball everywhere. <laughs> Thanks, Mel. <laughs> well – Girl, uh, girls here, I want to just basically commend you because it's been a great ride so far, and nobody would have thought uh, this is kind of like a script. Did you think, uh, Melinda, this is kind of a script? You have Boston, L.A., East, West Coast on Division One. You have Minnesota, New York in historic fashion of 20-year 20, 20 seasons, and then you guys yourselves rematch of last year. Uh, no, it, it, it's this weekend in Atlanta is definitely – if people have never seen um, women's football, they need to go to Atlanta. They need to tune in. They need to see these games and uh, really take a take a look at what's going on. Um, the uh, past weekends, we've had the best of the West, which that, that was a great matchup. Wish we could have seen it, but that was <clears throat> that wasn't their fault. But um, sorry, <coughs> definitely going to be a strong weekend with all the teams that are there. All right, let's let's go to Candace here before we uh, get some questions out from Luis and Holly here. Um, Candace, this has been a good ride for you as well. I mean, leader here, you're going you, you go back to the championship. You know who you're looking at, at at this point from last year. And hats off to the Wildcats; they really played a great game in, in 2017. So now it's a rematch. Kind of familiar with your foe here. So what do you speak to that? 
Um, it just makes it a little more um, interesting. Um, before, you kind of didn't have an outlook on exactly how it was going to go. Of course, you have game film, but nothing in person. Um, since we've had a little bit of in-person action, I think we have a pretty good game plan, and um, we hope to just execute properly and uh, see where their chips may lie. All right, let me just throw it out here for uh, for our three co-hosts here. So let's, we'll start with uh, – uh, let's start with Holly here, and then we'll go to Luis, and then we'll f- finish up with Troy here for you guys. So um, you guys can shoot at e- either one, Holly. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Hello, hello. Hi. Uh, I'll start with you, Candice. Um, so I see in the regular season that you led your division in uh, passing yards and touchdowns. Uh, so congratulations to that. Um, thank you, thank what do you. you. You're welcome. What do you attribute that success to? Um, great teammates. Um, doesn't matter what I do if nobody catches the ball. Um, they've been fantastic. We've added on some awesome people to our receiving corps from last year. We had a great run last year, and this year has been even uh, even better. And it's all it's all my teammates. So without them, I couldn't be anything close to where I'm at this year and my line as well. Um, <laughs> if I'm not upright, I can't throw the ball, so much appreciation to my line. Awesome. Uh, so I know it's been a long season. What has the most challenging thing been from this season? Uh, staying healthy. Um, I think we're somewhere around 12, 13 games already, including our preseason game. Uh, that's pretty rough for anybody, um, male, female, doesn't matter. Having a long season of, you know, gridiron football is, is pretty rough. Um, and everybody this season has been a, a challenge in its own right. And so that's pretty much been our biggest challenge is making sure we can keep uh, our numbers healthy. And that's usually what happens in the league, and unfortunately, is that injuries take over. So we've been pretty lucky. We've had a few few good devastating ones, but – we have enough people that are still ready and battle-tested, and we hope to finish out the season strong. Awesome. Uh, what do you think going into this game, what do you think um, it will take to beat Arkansas? <laughs> um, being as complete as um, possible, offense, defense, special teams, um, especially, you know, n- nobody's uh, unaware of how great Vincent is, so – also stopping and making sure we can, you know, keep a hold on her at least for a little bit to make sure that we can keep the numbers down. Um, she's an awesome player. Uh, I've watched her last year and, again, this year be just fantastic. So, of course, we're going to keep our eye on that. But just making sure that we are firing on all cylinders for all facets of the game. It sounds like a plan. Um, I wish you the best of luck in that game. Um, I'm going to bounce you. over to Melinda. Melinda, how's it going? Going good. Long time no see. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that you've had a long career. Uh, what are some of the uh, biggest changes that you have seen in your career in this sport? Well, earlier you mentioned recruit, recruiting model. Um, we are, uh, I don't care what anybody says, Orlando really is a small town. Um, and in order to get players, we have to recruit as best we can. And my joke has always been we take them from zero to football. And that, in the, the, the length of time that I've played um, 
it, it has been interesting the zero to football. It's it used to be just being able to get them in the uniform and not have them fall over, but it has now progressed that uh, the model for women's football is very much it's grown, it's polished. Um, we have some wonderful coaches who are on the top of the game. They they break down every aspect of it. Um, they know how to read defenses. They know how to set up the offense and. The zero to football uh, today is a lot different than it was when I started. And um, it's just it's amazing to see the difference and the way that um, players who, you know, six months ago didn't know what a football was are now able to run routes and, and be productive on the field. So that's the thing that I see is that um, the, as a sport, women's football has come to its own. It's, it's grown considerably with all the football sisters around the nation in whatever league they play in, um, putting out a really great game. I definitely agree with what, what you say. I, I, I noticed a difference uh, between when I first started and now as well. Um, and I, I know that you guys were in this position last year. What does it mean to you to get back into this position to try to uh, avenge last year's loss? Um. It, 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 we've worked very hard to get here. Um, we 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 want to win. The, the, this game is is everything to for a lot of different levels. I mean, uh, like Candace said, you know, playing a full season, you know, twelve games in a row, and and our schedule, uh, the buys were in the front of the season, you know, so figuring out how we were going to get to our away games and, and working together as a team and, and just, you know, everything that's involved. Being an owner, I jokingly say that I always like away games better, but, you know, having to put together the home game and that kind of stuff, um, this is redemption for us. We, we definitely worked hard, studied hard, and we want to win. Well, I wish you, um, again, the best of luck in this game. I'm, I'm really proud to see how far uh, your organization has come, and I think you guys should be proud of that. Um, I'll try not to hog the questions too much because I know we got other people on. So I will send it back to you guys. Okay. All right, Louise, you're on. All right, so Candace, how long have you been quarterback again for Orlando? Um, four years. And is that the only team you've played for? Yes. Uh, as far as um, full-on pads, yeah. Uh, other than that, I played a little with flag, um, and that was back uh, when I was in college at Old Dominion University. Okay, excellent. So uh, what would you say, I know you talked about the when Holly said the keys to winning, and you talked about playing a complete game. But since you played in the game last year and you lost, what was your personal uh, mindset or adjustments that you felt like that you needed to make as a quarterback uh, to be able to try and win it this year? Um, for me, pretty much uh, better conditioning, of course. Um, it's hard to do anything when you're not conditioned to to play um, in any kind of weather and any kind of space, um, any kind of atmosphere. So I think we did a good job this year with uh, our conditioning and also playing in kind of all sorts of weather, practicing in all sorts of weather, just to prepare for whatever may be thrown our way. And then also um, just being a little bit quicker with my reads and um, making sure I trust my receivers, and they've made that super easy. Um, I love them, and they've been fantastic. 
So just kind of adjusting myself as far as making quicker reads, I would say it would be my biggest um, adjustment that I've made this year personally. Okay. Yeah, and that's a big deal. Um, you guys definitely have some nice athletes. I saw film footage of or a clip of your running back, and uh, I, I don't remember which one because I know there's a couple listed, but uh, it was it was like a clip of you guys on your own, I don't know, two- or three-yard line, and she just took it to the house. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's so actually def- surprising enough. She's super fast, and that's actually my fullback. <laughs> oh, it is. So oh. Yes, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, I, I'm like I said, I'm blessed. Um, I, I can't speak for anybody else in the league, but I know for me personally, I feel like I have the the best corps of offensive people out there. They are amazing, and yeah, that was my fullback, and she's she's got blazing speed, great hands, and great footwork and field vision. She's a blessing to have. Well, and those are all the right things that you should be saying about your teammates, that's for sure, <laughs> trying to go into the championship. <laughs> uh, you've been well-trained. Um, uh, the, the, the other thing I was going to ask is, uh, and either one of you can answer this, um, so when we lost, when we went to the championship for the first time and we lost, I know that our head coach was really angry with himself because he felt like there was a couple things that he, as a head coach, could have or should have done better at and we all look at that for when you're a player you you all you not you automatically say that and look at that for yourself so um and I didn't feel like that happened on this latest championship that we lost I don't think that there was a lack of whatever we just lost the game because sometimes people you have to lose or sometimes you lose that's how it happens so in your guys's case by losing last year and either one of you can ask what do you think because, first of all, 12 games, Holly and I would have given large amounts of money, possibly, to be able to play that many games. <laughs> I think, uh, let's see, Holly, they had four regular season. We had six regular season, and then they got two at the weekend. But that's just amazing. That's awesome. But what do you think were the top two things that you wanted to adjust from last year to this year that you took away because you lost? So what did you take away from that game that you wanted to adjust this year? Hmm, that's a great question. As a team, um, because obviously you had your own personal things, but as a team, what did you take away saying, you know what, we didn't do this well, so we've got to fix this for the next time, You not knowing you are going to play the exact same team? I think overall um, what, what we needed to do was um, – communicate better with the coaches what we were seeing. I think that was our biggest weakness. Um, I agree. For for first-year players, that's the hardest thing is to come off the field and they're asking questions, you know, what are you seeing, you know, blah, 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 and the player isn't able to go, well, she's standing over there. No, no, that's not the question. That's not the question. (laughs) So sometimes being able to have that um, proper dialogue with the coach, that that I say is the, the... Sometimes the roughest thing is to get the information you need, you know, when a player comes off and, you know, what are you seeing, you know, which way is she leaning, that kind of thing. I I think that that's much better for us this year. Yeah, I agree, Mel. Um, I'd have to just add on also patience. Um, I noticed last year uh, we were doing well in the beginning, and then as uh, time rolled on and we made a couple of mistakes here and there, uh, we started getting desperate. Um, and I think this year we've made a, a, a better adjustment to that. Um, we haven't been down too much this season, but um, whenever we were, we've managed to uh, stay patient and uh, keep the game plan. 
and stay vigilant in what we were asked to do by our coaches. And Lord and behold, we've come out on top because that's exactly what we do. We stay patient. We don't get rattled too much. We focus, and then it, it works out. Uh, we listen to the coaches. Well, and sometimes it's just it, you can't replace experience. You can't replace the fact that you've been through things already. And I know you have rookies. Every team has a few rookies every year. So, um, But if you have key players that have been through uh, the fire and different things like that, you know, it's just being there and have done doing it. Um, it's such a big key, and then learning from the experience. Um, okay, so, Melissa, I have a question. So uh, I know that Holly knows you've played a long time, but tell me how many years you've played. Uh, ten. Ten. Okay. So how long have you been owner? Eight. Eight, sorry, eight. Eight, okay. So we had an owner player early on in the Falcons, and it's not easy. So what is the most challenging and the best part about those dual roles? Well, the the best part is the playing. I, I do this because I want to play. I do yeah. this because I want anyone uh, in the Orlando, Central Florida area, if, if they want to play, I want to play. Um, there's a lot of sacrifices that you have to make as an owner. Um, and depending on the market, you know, it, it's uh, it's different in every market. And that's one of the things that I've seen across the league that people don't really understand. You know, um, Orlando is not where you're from. Um, Orlando is not Pittsburgh. Orlando is not uh, D.C. We have challenges in our own community uh, on marketing and sponsorship and all of that. And those are the, the biggest difficulties is um, literally running around knocking on doors and letting people know about you and, and clearing up any misconceptions about women's football. Um, and, and every owner in the in in any women's football team will tell you they hate home games, and it's because of everything you <laughs> have to do for a for a home game between the field, the refs, the the you know concessions, the, the uniforms, the lights, the weather, the um, I don't know that you have to deal with it as much out there, but we have. Now, when you play at a public school, we have these lightning detectors. If there's lightning within eight miles, they go off, and then you can't play. And it's like, really? Hello? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you're, you're battling that. You know, you lose fans because you're waiting another half hour to get clear. And, and all of those behind-the-scene things are, are the difficulty. The, the, the joy is playing. Yeah, the sugar is playing, definitely. Um <laughs> Yeah. I I'll, I know that Troy he's always he's always waiting so patiently for big time questions so I'll let him take over. <laughs> Thanks for talking. Don't let him talk Thank about you. hockey. He always wants to talk about hockey. He's <laughs> unfocused so easily. Hey, how you ladies doing? Good. Hello, hello, great. Great, Thank great. You. Awesome. Uh, all right. So the first question I have is for is for both of you. Um, so how did you guys, what drew you guys to the love of of, of the game of football? Because, I mean, I'm sure both of you guys have athletic backgrounds, but what drew you to playing the game of football? Um, I grew up in southern Ohio, and, and the joke there is every every game played in southern Ohio has a tackle element. The worst injury I ever had in high school was in volleyball. Um I went up to block a, um, a 
shot, and the girl grabbed my legs from under the net and pulled me down. Um, but it, I wanted to play football. I wanted to play football in high school. The coaches wanted me to play football in high school. But if you do the math, that was before Title IX, and so nobody really wanted to do anything about it. So at the time, I forgot about it, and life went on. And I found out, you know, later about the uh, Orlando Mayhem. And I went out and tried out for that team. And so my time to play football was considerably on down in years. But, um, you know, I've, I've always wanted to play football ever since I was little. I mean, the thing that made me mad is, you know, growing up, I played football with all the guys that I was going to play football with in high school. You know, I held my own with all of them. I couldn't tell any difference. We've always played football. Awesome, awesome. Um, for me, I think it has to do with uh, my older brothers. Um, I was always that bratty little sister where I would tell on them if they didn't take me with them. So <laughs> um, I would always see them playing around and <laughs> and hoping that they would pick me and allow me to also um, to play. But, of course, they didn't. I was always going to get hurt. So eventually um, when, you know, I got a little older, I would go to the park and lo and behold, there'd be a bunch of people playing there, mainly boys, and I, you know, threatened to tell my mom if they didn't let me play, and then they started letting me play, and they saw that I was actually pretty good, and then I started throwing the ball, and they're like, well, she can be quarterback, and then I learned that when there's not enough people, I can be all-time quarterback, so either way, I win. So it was awesome. So that's pretty much where it started when I was younger with uh, having older brothers as siblings, and I can, you know, bother them to let me play. Gotcha, gotcha. And Candace, um, you know, playing the quarterback position, how would you know, what is your what is one of like the favorite routes that you can throw? I mean, everyone loves the deep ball, of course. Uh, but do you have another one? Do you have any favorite route that you can throw? Um, I like them all because as long as there's a completion, it looks good on the stat line. But um <laughs> Uh, I'd have to say, uh, of course, I love the deep ball. Um, I love to air it out. It, it looks great on film. Um, but, honestly, I like uh, I like slants, too. It's a very uh, technical route that can be ruined very quickly because you have your receivers running in the middle of everything. Um, but I can't harp on anymore how great my receivers have been this year, um, especially uh, my tight end who's been – jammed in the middle a whole bunch this year and she's been making a whole bunch of plays along with my uh my fullback who we also put out in the slot and I love it. So I would have to say a slant besides my deep balls of course. Gotcha. And and I know that slant route is the is, is is the toughest. I mean because like you said, I mean that's such a dangerous uh play on there and it's really you know, especially if you're looking out for your receivers, because they will come back in the huddle and let you know, like, hey, you know, don't don't set me up too much. You know, with that yeah, ball. I mean, that's definitely. definitely a dangerous route. Because, you know, those DBs definitely. and those linebackers, man, that's the that's the route that they love to catch, you know, catch oh, somebody yeah. coming across it's that a, middle. They, they love, they live for those shots right there. It's a licking your chops route. It surely is. But the the good part about it is if it's placed correctly and your receiver does what they're supposed to do, you they miss and you're gone. So it's awesome. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's a thing of beauty right there. That's a thing of beauty. So playing for the championship last year, 
this is this has to be one of those things where you know you guys have been thinking about this all off season, and you've been waiting and you've gone through you know off season workouts and training camp and you know I I looked at you guys the schedule I mean you guys had a, a really tough schedule I mean you had a run where you know you guys didn't play a home game literally for five games that's including the bye that you had you had four you know four straight games on the road a bye in between there. And you guys really had a tough road to get there. So you guys have to be chomping at the bit to play this game. And just, you know, just to get that taste out of your mouth from last year. So talk a little bit about, you know, what the preparation is going to be, what the team, um, you know, how the the team's uh, characteristics this week. I mean, you guys have to be ready to rock and roll, right? Oh, yes, sir. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, Practice has been amazing. Um, we actually had practice uh, Monday, and we were firing all all cylinders, all facets of the game. We were rolling, um, wasn't weren't skipping a beat, and it was just awesome to see everybody come together. Um, we really want this. We have a a really actually large rookie class this year, and they look like veterans out there, um, and it's amazing. And then of course our vets who've been there last year. They're also, you know, taking charge and making sure they're giving pointers and things like that that we should be looking for. We've been waiting a long time for this. Um, and like you said, we had that long stretch of away game. So I actually like that we got to travel for this because we've been super successful this year um, with all our away games. We haven't lost one. Um, so we got a good chance, and it shows that we have some, you know, some grit on the road, and that's exactly what we need in order to uh, face this tough Arkansas team. And Melinda, this is my last question. Um, what did, this in speaking on the, the rookies, I mean, you know, you guys with the rookie class, and you know, you guys touched on earlier as far as like the recruiting. These guys, you know, these girls have to be wide-eyed right now. But I mean, going through, you know, what you guys gone through in, in the in the regular season, you guys had two wars against Tampa Bay. That was those were two awesome games. So right now, they're all season vets. But you know, this is the championship. How are you guys getting them prepared mentally for this game? Because, you know, everyone knows when it comes to the playoffs, and especially when you're talking about championship, um, you know, football, it's at a different level. So how are you guys getting them prepared for this game coming up? Well, we're just reminding them that, you know, we've played all these other games, and, and we we focused on our game plan. We don't worry about – I mean, we're aware of what the other team might do, but we have to execute our game plan Agreed, uh, we do have veterans who played last year. Um, one of the things that, that our coach has always said, he enjoys coaching women better than men because they don't have any preconceived attitudes about games or plays, and, and they take instruction well. And I think that's what our rookies ha- have shown this year, that they really they are here to learn, you know, they're, they're ready to, to work hard, and um, I think that's, that helps us. You know, they don't have any preconceived ideas about what this is. Um, we had to travel far to go to Mississippi for that playoff game. I mean, you know, they know what it's like to, to travel far, you know, get out of the car, play a game, and then drive all night back home. Hopefully we don't have to do that this time. But, um, you know, I think that, that the mindset is, is uh, good. They're in a the right place, and – you know, we're going to go out there and uh, execute our game. Awesome. Hey, listen, I, I appreciate you guys taking my questions, man. And, I, and really, man, good luck with this game coming up. 
I'm pretty sure you guys are chopping at the bit. So I hope you guys go out there and chop it down, and and hopefully you guys come back with the trophy. This is what it's all about right now. So good luck to you guys, man. Thank, Thank you. you so Remember, much, Wade, if you if you watch online or you come out and watch in person, remember if you scream, you play like a girl. It's a good thing. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> all right. Melinda, let's let's get your take on the other two games since we're kind of focusing on the weekend here. You've been around this game for ten years. You pretty much know what Boston and and uh, L.A. are all about, and then Minnesota and New York being so historic. So, as an owner, it's got to make you proud that uh, these are the three matchups in the final championship. Like you said, it kind of represents the best of the best in terms of the nation. But overall, or these organizations have stood out as one of the best, if not the best, organizations nationwide. Exactly. I, I think it's a wonderful representation of um, the WFA. Um, I'm I'm excited. I'm terribly focused on our game, uh, first game there on Friday. Then after that, I'm ready to sit back and eat popcorn and watch the rest of them. Um, the New York game is um, it's very important because this will be the last time that the Sharks are the Sharks. Um but I think that it's wonderful that that the pairings that we have, you know, L.A. and, and you know, then Minnesota, you know, agree two different. But, I mean, the people who tune in are going to be able to see football from all over and really see how hard all these women work to get there. Melinda, as an owner, you're in the same boat as literally Boston re- revamping themselves. You've been an owner for eight years. Like you said, your Orlando market is pretty tough. They had to go through that op- that that situation too. So for them to come here, just like you guys are here now, it, it says a lot about their their structure and their organization. Yeah, um, that whole thing that went on in Boston. Obviously, I don't know what was going on there, but that to to have to go and, and reinvent yourself and then come back and then come back this strong, you know, hats off. That definitely. Um, there's a lot of people out there who make comments about teams who do not know how hard each and every owner works to make their organization successful. And uh, I think that this year's grouping is, is a, um, not only very successful owners, but I think there's an awful lot of, um, you know, if I can use the term heart behind it, you know, these, these people work really hard to, to get here. Um, it's, it's not a joke to them. Um, you know, with, a, with the, any women's football, it's unfortunately pay to play. You know, we, we work hard to get here. We sacrifice time and money and friends and all kinds of stuff to play the sport that we love. And, um, you know, really, when, you know, I, when I bump into people, you know, I, I tell them, you know, you need to just go out there and, and, and watch one game, you know. And we've had people who've come to the games and said, that was great. You, my son played D2 ball. His games were boring. These are great. And that's got to be a credit to everybody, you know, not just you, but overall, like you said, proper coaching, the amount of talented athletes that obviously want to be on the roster and also is a benefit. Um, so, uh, Melinda, the, the one matchup that everybody's concentrating on is basically Minnesota, New York, Andrea Douglas, pretty much historic in the Hall of Fame as well. She's owned the team for 20 years. You got Laura Brown who took over for the for the Vixen ownership there. They've done a good job with uh, their live streaming and everything else in Minnesota. But 
this is a kind of a historic in a way because both of these teams are 20-year, 10-year teams, which is very rare in this sport. There's a lot of teams that fold and unfold and never come back, and these, team, these two teams have set their, the bar basically 20 years going. Exactly. Um, I mean, as an owner, I do look at other programs to see where, you know, maybe something successful, you know, um, owners, we, we talk to one another, we share ideas, that kind of thing. But, yeah, you're, you're right. I mean, you know, uh, the fact that the Sharks aren't going to be here anymore is, is just like um, that, that. I mean, it's, it's hard for me to comprehend. I mean, because a lot of the things that I've worked for with our club is, is you know, um, the strength of the team and that kind of stuff. And I've always looked to, you know, uh, like Pittsburgh and New York and, and D.C. And, and to see what was working with them. No, this this is this is like you said. This is um, some serious stuff. So uh, let's give, uh, let's get uh, you and uh, Candace's take here because we know who's going to win D three. So that that's already yeah we got thrown that. out here. No. It's going to be it's going to be a good game. Everybody needs to tune in. <laughs> so I don't want to I don't want to create enemies right now uh, on the other side in Arkansas <laughs> either. So. Uh, but, uh, let's give us your take. Do you, you really think this it's, it's uh, Kirsten Hansen, uh, Candace, pretty awesome quarterback going up against a legendary uh, Karen Mulligan. So it's a big, big time duel there. Young, up, upstart. Uh, she's only been in the, in the game for about three years. Mulligan's been in the game for a long time, kind of legendary in New York. So it's going to be a huge game. Oh, yeah, it sure is. I don't know. I might have to go with the young blood, though. You're, you're going with Young. You're sticking yeah. with yourself, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I'm going to have to go with Young. A little something Melinda, new. Melinda, I don't know if you're going to take uh, Mulligan because I'm pretty sure she's probably listening here, but you've been playing longer, so. <laughs> um, I, I, I wish them both well. I I will have to say that I'm leaning to the Sharks. I, you know, I'll make a pick. All right, so you're going for the fi- finale mentality. Finish it up strong yeah. and hoist the trophy. Yeah. All right, great. How about Boston, Melinda, and and uh, L.A.? That you got literally a superstar squad in Los Angeles, and you have the gritty, always reliable, tough Eastern Conference renegades. Whether they've been militia or renegades, they've always come to play, and they play to the end. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Don't discount them in any way. Um, I'll be honest. I, I can't. I can't – I'm not going to – that one, that game I'm watching, I can't say on that one. I, I can't. Um, you can't discount them Boston at all. Um, no, I can't. I'm. That game's going to go to the final whistle. Melinda, I think I, you're going to be getting a lot of popcorn, a lot of popcorn on that, on that <laughs> game. I'm going to get a lot of popcorn. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have to agree. You're not making a call either, Candace? Anything oh, I don't know. It's it's rough. You know, you got L.A. and you got Boston, so it's uh, it's rough. I I, I think I'm just going right. to enjoy it with popcorn with Mel. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be sitting in the stands together. <laughs> All right. Well, it has been fun uh, talking to you guys. I really, really appreciate you making the time. Melinda, thank you for the uh, making the uh, arrangements and uh, getting you here to talk about it and talk about Orlando Anarchy and then uh, we can't let you go without, you know, hashtag Corey Strong. You guys have literally rebound from that whole incident. And uh, I believe Blanco's back to full force. So that's a good sign too. So 
uh, a lot of it happened in, in the last two years, but, you know, it's a credit to you. And like you said, a lot of heart on your team. Uh, I think that, that unfortunately the pulse, it did happen and, and we're still, we're still working through that, but I think that it, it reminded everyone on the team that there's there, that we come together as a family first and we just happen to play football and it helps us focus a lot more. Um, it's, it's definitely a reminder each and every day that um, life is fragile and um, that we have to take care of one another. So, I mean, you know, each and every game, that's, that's you know, who are we? You know, Corey Strong, and who are we? Jackie Strong. These are people that we, we play tribute to every game. Um, there's – it's a it's – a, it's a difficult thing to remember, but I think that it keeps us focused. And um, we just, you know, we move forward every day. Well, Melinda, thank you for uh, everything you've done uh, so far in Orlando because the, your results prove it here. You, uh, you run a good organization. You're trying to do what you got to do what's best for the organization. Like you said, the coaching staff is a credit as well as yourself. And obviously the talented athletes that you guys have on this roster this year shows that you deserve to be here. So we're looking forward to Arkansas versus Orlando to kick it off in, in ATL. Thank you. Thank you. As I jokingly put in some of my uh, press releases, you know, tell a friend, uh, you know, text a neighbor, you know, just we, we need to get the word out about women's football. All right. So, Melinda, well, thank you again for your time. Uh, Candace, wish you well. You. Stay upright as they say, and uh, the Wildcats, I'm pretty sure, are eyeing it for you. Uh, but uh, overall, yes, I think sir. it's going to be a great Thanks. great kickoff game, and I, I wish you guys well as well. And uh, we're looking forward to this opening weekend. I mean, just a couple more days here, and then one of you will, uh, you know, be hoisting a trophy, and that's going to be great to see. Yes, sir. Thank, Thank you. you so much for having us. All right. Have a great weekend. Safe travels to Atlanta, and then we look forward to watching that on uh, ESPN3. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, guys, there you go. Melinda Sparks, owner of the Orlando Anarchy, and Candace Hunter, the uh, quarterback of the Orlando Anarchy. So, um, you guys, this is huge. Opening weekend, no pressure for them, right? None. Yeah, I think um, it has. You have to, you know, uh, give them a lot of credit for getting back into this position. And I think whatever you know nervous energy they had last time around, having been been there before, I think that's going to really help them. So um, there's always going to be pressure in a championship game, but I think since they've been there before, that's going to help out a lot. I think so too. I think they have the experience. Yeah, I, I love the fact that they have that dog in them. You know, I mean, just going what they went through, um, you know, with that atrocity down there in Orlando, and and then also just, you know, coming back from, you know, making it to the championship game last year, and then they make that return trip. You know, they're hungry for it. You know, they're hungry for it. This is, you know, um, anytime a, a team loses in that championship game, you know, they want to come back and they want to you know, kind of make up for what it was, you know, get that bad taste out of their mouth that they had last year. And, you know, you love to see that. This would be a great story for 
that they can come out there and pull out their win against Arkansas. So I'm rooting for them. I want to see them do well out there, and I'm definitely tuning in to check that game out. So I'm definitely rooting for them. I want to see a great game out of them. I also think that their roster was much improved this year, and I think they have a larger roster than Arkansas, and they'll be playing in the South and with humidity. So I I think I would – I mean, I know definitely that I would probably choose them to win it. I agree. I think that weather is going to be a factor too. I think that's going to be a change. Um, Luis and Holly, let's let's get the predictions here because I know you guys are going to have to bail out in a couple minutes. Um, so, Holly, uh, last week I think I said Boston barely over L.A. That was my prediction. And I did take Minnesota over New York. Uh, so, uh, I just think, you know, I think – Vixen really want this, but uh, it's going to be a tough fight either way. Um, I have to say, based on what Troy just said, uh, more than likely at this point, it would be Orlando as a as to edge. I think um, for uh, the Boston and LA game, it's definitely going to be one of those games that goes down to the last possession. So turnovers are going to be a huge factor. You have uh, kind of two different styles of play. Um, L.A. is is more uh, power football. Boston is more about the, the short passes. But I am going to actually go in the camp of L.A. I think it's time that somebody on the West Coast, um, you know, uh, beats Boston. And I think this is their opportunity to do it. And uh, it's going to be a good game either way, but I'm leaning towards L.A. in that one. Um, as far as Minnesota and New York, um, earlier this season, I probably would have said Minnesota, but I think uh, New York is rolling, and I think they have a lot of emotion behind them. As long as they're able to control that in a positive way within the confines of the game, I, I'm going to leave actually more towards New York. And I do agree about Orlando, though. I think um, being brought up a good point with their numbers on their roster I think as long as they take care of the ball, I think this might be Orlando's time. All right, Luis, uh, who are you going with? Um, So I'm going actually for Boston, and I'll tell you why. Um, I know that L.A. is built to also be somewhat of a super team, um, but Boston goes no huddle. And until you play against no huddle, it's very different. Um, yes, it is. <laughs> it is. And also Boston, I'm not saying that L.A. doesn't have some big players, but Boston's just huge. I mean, Dallas was huge. I felt like it was Alabama against Air Force because they were just huge. But we've played against a lot. Always, We always play against bigger teams. So I also think Boston has a much larger roster. Once again, they'll be playing in the South. They don't have to travel as far. They have Allison Cahill, longtime player. They have a lot of longtime players, but she's longtime quarterback. And um, I think that they are just a better team than L.A. And I'm not saying that in a disrespectful way at all. I just think they're a better team. And I've watched them both play. And uh, they've also had more games this year, and they've also had um, much more difficult games this year. And so I think they're well-seasoned. They were there before. Um, and so I'm actually going with Boston, and they'll win by 14 points at least. Wow. And then, Even a score. Uh, wow. I know. Seriously, I'm being a la Troy. 
And then um <laughs> and then I'm choosing Minnesota and uh sorry, not Minnesota, New York. Couple reasons. A couple years ago they lost in overtime to Minnesota on a uh pick six. And we remember they, that. Uh, yeah, and that was an exciting game and we ended up playing Minnesota in the championship and I think that the Sharks, not only do they have the emotionalism of the last game, last season, all of those kind of things, um, I think – now, Minnesota does have Red, who is probably one of the top three defensive linemen, interior linemen that I've ever played against. She's just a beast, and she's been playing like 20 years. And uh, so that will be a tough assignment. But Minnesota, I think, will have – not sorry, uh, New York will have – They'll want revenge from off of that one. Yeah, it's Mulligan's last year. I think they're better built for the championship, just team-wise. And uh, But I think it'll be a close game, and I'm not giving a score for that one. I say within 14. Within 14, All and right. uh, New York will win it. All right. And how, how about the third game? Oh, I already picked uh, Orlando. I'd be surprised if Orlando didn't win. I just think, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I just think that for the reasons I mentioned. So, no so Orlando, Arkansas. Uh, so we got you taking Orlando, New York, and Boston. I'm taking Boston, Minnesota, uh, Orlando, and Big Troy. Who are you taking? You know, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna kind of. I'm gonna go the opposite here. I'm gonna go L.A. Um, uh, um, and now I know, you know, Boston is they've been they've been tearing it up. Um they beat D C um which is, you know, a, a bit of an upset but not really. Not really. So I mean that was a that was a pretty close game and D C is just a great team. I just think LA right now is as you guys alluded to earlier, they they're right now they're a super team. And so a lot of it's gonna come down to turnovers, um and and maybe I think L.A. has a chance if they can, number one, turn the ball over. Excuse me, make Boston turn the ball over. And also somehow slow down that offense. Um, so I, I'm going to go on the limb. I'm, I'm going to take L.A. Um, and, I, and also I'm going to go to New York. I think the revenge game right now, um, New York still remembers that. There's still some people in that organization over there for that game. Uh, a lot of people are there for that game. So I'm going to take New York on that one. I just think, you know, um, they kind of owe Minnesota. And, you know, that was just a heartbreaker. I mean, there's some, there's some players on that team that remember that. And they, they want to make good on that, you know, uh, on that revenge game. So I'm going to take, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go there. Um, and, of course, I already picked Orlando. So that's what I, that's what I picked off on that all right, so it's going to be pretty awesome. Um, we'll see how the weekend turns out, but uh, Arkansas versus Orlando kicks off the WFA weekend. Then we get the 20-year rivalry of, you know, tenured franchises and the rivalry from two years ago, I believe, and that's uh, the one Troy's talking about, the New York-Minnesota game where Minnesota edges New York, and that, that's when they were part of the IWFL uh, and not the WFA. So it was their first matchup pretty much in the WFA in terms of a championship format. And then you got Boston, Los Angeles. We talked to uh, Aaron Collins. Chantel Wiggins in Los Angeles is going to 
be a big factor. There are two quarterbacks set there. They got uh, Mary Rose Roach. Um, they got Pr- Priscilla Gardner. And then Boston's got Beinecke, Pasquale. Uh, they got Cahill. It's going to be a huge, huge weekend. ESPN3 is going to bring it to you. We're going to be all over it on um, Facebook.com, Beauties, on Twitter. And uh, we are going to have uh, Tracy Brick, who is going to be uh, doing our Snapchat weekend uh, starting uh, this coming week. And she's going to be on Snapchat all weekend for the WFA weekend. So uh, Tracy Brick, catch her on our Snapchat at Gridiron Beauties as well. So we're going to be all over it this way. Uh, it's kind of unfortunate I could not make it because of other things that happened. But uh, overall, it's going to be great to watch it. Like Melinda says, with a lot of popcorn, right, Troy? Still there, Troy? Hey, can you guys hear me? Yeah. I said it's going to be great to watch it with a lot of popcorn. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, yeah ESPN3, that's going to be dope, man. All right, we got to definitely want to check that one out. Is yeah, ESPN it's going to be great. Is ESPN all um, the championships, Oscar? Is ESPN3 doing I, all the championships? I thought it was just the one. As far, as far as I know, the uh, Arkansas-Orlando matchup is going to be Facebook Live, from what I'm told. Okay. Okay. So oh, I okay. think they're working on the Facebook Live. So it's either going to be, I believe, Orlando Anarchy uh, Facebook Live. But uh, I have to get details on that. So I'll talk to Mel- uh, Melinda in terms of how that goes. But I know Division Two and Division Three will be ESPN3. You know, that's just so nice because you know that you're getting – you just know you're getting a product. You're just getting you, – you can trust the brand. So, you know, that's a really nice thing. Yeah, and that's going to be great. Um, let's talk – the IWFL Championship happened this past weekend, July 21st, based on what happened with the Best of the West teams branching out and departing that left – a couple teams with the uh, opportunity to hoist a hardware, whether your opinion is legit or not at this point because of the teams that left. But overall, they still had to play a championship for the league. So the IWFL championship result was Houston Energy, 34-0 versus the Nevada Storm. You can catch it on our Facebook page, and it was uh, basically covered there as well. And then the San Antonio Regulators win the Founders Bowl uh, 30 to zero versus the Tulsa threat. And you can also catch that stuff via Tulsa threat on Facebook. So it was a pretty good weekend there. Congratulations to the Houston energy for winning the 2017 WF, uh, IWFL championship. And then the San Antonio regulators winning the founders bowl title. Um, we're going to have Joe Vincent here in a couple minutes. He's going to be talking about some of the things that happened in Kansas city behind the scenes, we wanted to come on and kind of discuss that with it about what happened with the, you know, the lack of use of Brooke Leash that could have probably taken the Kansas City Titans into the Atlanta weekend uh, this weekend, uh, but it did not happen. So uh, at this point, we're going to talk to Joe Vincent. He used to be the announcer for the team, and apparently there was issues with the team and no longer was warranted to be the announcer. So he'll give us some details about that. And the uh, question of, the off season will be well. Uh, where will Brooke Leash, you know, uh, end up? Whether it be Kansas City or somewhere else at this point, or whether she's coming back at all, which I know for a fact she's probably coming back. But we will know exactly where she ends up at. So it's kind of a question, and so he's going to dive into that concept of things. Uh, we dived into the two quarterback system previously in other podcasts. Um, if you guys want to get the whole scope 
of the WFA National Championship coverage and what we've been talking about for the last, what, six weeks or so. You can go back to episode 227 and then replay every episode from there, 227 all the way, all the way up to 232, full coverage, insights, everything else. We even had Neil Rosenthal here. We had Michael Burmey. Uh, we've had everybody pretty much on here. So, uh, so before we go into Joe Vincent here in the interview, uh, Troy, let's, let's talk Legends Football League here and uh, the 80-0 to zero disaster that happened in Omaha uh, with Jacqueline Good and company as quarterback. Uh, the experiment in um, Omaha seems to just be getting worse and worse each season. Yeah, it was um, it was uh, it was it was tough to watch that game. Um, yeah, I mean it was just tough for them to to muster anything offensively. I mean, obviously they didn't score anything. Um, it was they could barely complete a pass out there. And so you know, Jacqueline Good, you know, she's kind of thrust into the position, you know, because of her athleticism. But um, you know, obviously they had some things to work with, and it, it wasn't you know. And, you know, to their credit, they did go up against the buzzsaw. Uh, Nashville is, you know, probably the best team in the LFL right now. I mean, arguably. Uh, and their record kind of speaks to that. So they didn't do them any favors in, in putting her in that position right there. So, um, you, you're, you're, you know, they, they definitely have some work to do. And you kind of wonder how is it going to get better. I mean, they have to find someone out there. Uh, they can play quarterback, um, you know, for that team. But it, it's going to be a long road ahead unless they can figure that out. Yeah, and that's what I'm. I'm, I'm kind of like figuring out why they even, you know, they their their season's pretty much done, Troy. Right? Their season's done. It's like they, they oh, yeah, got to so. play what Chicago. They got to play Chicago oh, next. Yeah. James Conwell and yeah. Javel Thompson and Tamika Robinson and. And the uh, the beast of the beast, Chantel Taylor, just yeah, <laughs> that will. Yeah. I, I won't be surprised if it's 120 to zero or something. <laughs> if it turns yeah, out to man, be a similar score, you know, it's definitely going to be a wrap. I mean, Chicago was also one of those buzzsaw teams. I mean, you know, they're you know coming off a huge win. Also, they're looking at you know just solidify a spot in the playoffs. And you know, from looking from what I've seen. As far as Omaha and their execution on offense, and it's, it's also on defense. Also, um, it's you know it's definitely not. It's, it's basically a speed bump for Chicago. Um, and again, you, you wonder like going forward in next year, what are they going to do at that position? They definitely have to do some recruiting um, to to get somebody out there that can play that quarterback position. It's just tough to do that if you don't have someone a viable option at the quarterback position when you're playing a game of football, your team is just not going to do well. And, and right now they got a problem, a big problem. So you're calling Houston and saying, huh, you got a problem. <laughs> since it's <laughs> the off season. Okay. It's been two years of two They have not been good since what? Their defense and all their defense literally went to Dallas when the Dallas team opened up. So they haven't been good on, you know, either way. Anyways, the uh, Omaha experiment continues just like in Denver. <laughs> uh, so that's uh, what goes there. Um, go ahead, Troy. Yeah, it was it, just watching that. Man. I mean, it was it was 
borderline comical, and and I hate to say that, but I mean, you know, Nashville players are scoring touchdowns. They sit on the, you know, they sit on the wall and they're drinking beers in the stands. I mean, it was. I've never seen anything like that before. It was just—I mean, it was definitely entertaining. It certainly isn't the NFL, Joy. <laughs> you mean the players were drinking beer? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. The, yeah, they were chucking. They were chucking some beer down in the on. No way. Just the way it goes. Oh my but they god. Weren't, they weren't playing. They were, they, the substitutes ended up playing. Even the backup quarterback for the Knights was. So uh, yeah. Oh, she, drank entire, she drank the entire cup of beer. Like sitting right there on the wall. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I bust out laughing just watching. You gotta, you gotta was, watch that game, dude. It's okay. it's bad at oh, all, but it's oh, good entertainment. <laughs> hey, I got a quick question for you guys on the LFL. Sure. I know that like the Seattle, a bunch of Seattle players went to Nashville, you know, and there was all that you know hate stuff, or they weren't happy about that. So, but mostly the teams are using players from their city, or or are they allowed to just? fly them anywhere and live in any city is that how does that work generally speaking so you have an option of only so many rostered teams from outside of town is the quota so oh, when you okay. make the roster you decide how many team players so a couple players that were on the national night uh were not allowed to play on the team so they were cut so those players uh i believe it's nicole nicole peterson um and um uh, michelle angel and company and Misty Gonzalez. So they all decided that they still wanted to play football. So they're commuting. Uh, two of them are commuting from Dallas and the other one's commuting from Boston to play in Seattle. So they've made oh, that commitment okay. to play this season. So the Seattle team, which needed since it got rebranded and I mean, literally revamped our new coaching yeah. staff and everything, the, they decided to go there. So Seattle literally benefits from getting Michelle Angel, a legit quarterback as its leader. And she's proven. Uh, Troy, what do you think, MVP? Well, I, I will say she's definitely the toughest quarterback in in the league. And, you know, no disrespect to anyone else, but I, I haven't seen anyone in the LFL that plays with as much toughness and moxie as she does. I mean, she's one of my favorite players to watch when, when she's out there because, you know, Seattle has turned into a bit of a more quiet team. Uh, they're not as exuberant as they, they have been in the past, obviously, when they've lost so many of those players, especially going to Nashville. Um, so, they're, you know, they're, their teammates are a little bit timid, and Michelle Angel kind of gets them out of that rut every single time, and that's whether they win or lose. It doesn't matter what the score is. It doesn't matter what time of the game. I mean, she's chirping from the first play of the game to the last player game. I mean, she's she, she busting ass out there. So she's definitely one of my favorite players to watch, if not my favorite player to watch. So I, I love watching her play. and she's just, she's just a dope player, man. I love her. All right. So Troy, Atlanta taking on their nemesis, Chicago Bliss, and uh, Coach Hack taking on, obviously, the running back, the legendary running back and all-time running back for LFL, which is Chris Dell Harrison. Here we are, Chicago 49, Atlanta 34, even with a courageous Dakota Hughes making an effort to kind of make things happen. And uh, apparently she decided that this is her last game. Next game is her last game. She's literally going away, as well as uh, Dina Wojowski, just like uh, Adrian Pinnell did. So uh, Atlanta here just gets to face their rival, and they cannot seem to overcome that. And 
knowing the tendencies of Christelle Harris here, Chantel uh, Taylor just had a well of a game just stopping her. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the biggest reasons that um, Coach Keith Hacks, he felt good about his defense. I mean, at least slowing down uh, Chris Dell Harris is that, you know, they know her. They know they know the Ferrari. They know, you know, her tendencies. They know that she loves to run it outside. Um, that's her favorite thing to do. I mean, she can definitely run it inside, but she has a tendency to bounce it. And they love to toss the ball. They, they love to run the toss play in Atlanta, and they, they know that's what she loves to do. And Chantel Taylor just, you know, and that's her best friend. She was all over the field making tackles. I mean, she was just running around. She, she, you know, she definitely had her had a bead on uh, on Chris Dell Harris the entire game. And they felt good coming into that game. I mean, they, they obviously knew her, and you know, um, especially in the first half. I mean, they they were really take they were really laying a lot of shots on her. She got a little bit dinged up uh, when they um, kind of tackled her from behind. She was complaining a little bit about that, but that was definitely a legal play. Um, but, yeah, they were they were pounding on her. I mean, she, last game, um, you know, Ferrari, she had over 180 yards um, against Seattle. And, you know, Chicago was definitely not having that. Um, and they came out like a buzzsaw in this game. So they definitely slowed her down. And you got to give a shout-out to JaVale Thompson. You know, a lot was made of uh, the return of uh, Christelle Harris, and rightfully so. I mean, she was a huge part of that team, and a big reason why they won the championships that they did. Um, and so we all knew she would be motivated, Christelle Harris, uh, to to use, just to use the PG version of how she really felt, because she was not happy uh, being let go by Chicago. But there was a lot more at stake. I mean, Atlanta came into this game one and one with a shot at the playoffs, and you know. And that was on the line right now, especially with Nashville locking up a playoff spot because um, they're 4-0 right now. Um, but you got to give it to JaVale Thompson. I mean, she she came out there and showed what a badass competitor she is. I mean, she definitely showed that she's the new war, war horse in the backfield. And she shredded Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta's a good defense. I mean, they're big, they're athletic, they're talented, they're fast, but – Hack had his team cranking out there. I mean, you can tell that they smell blood in the water, and they attacked them at every single angle. And really, Chicago—I mean, excuse me—Atlanta didn't have a chance to recover. I mean, Atlanta started to score some points, especially with Lauren Ziegler. She probably had the game of her life out there. I mean, she scored the first three touchdowns. I mean, she scored from the quarterback position. She scored from wide receiver. She did a wide receiver reverse. I mean, she was busting ass out there too. And but it, it just looked like Chicago just had an answer for everything that they were doing. They jumped on them from start to finish. You just I love to watch that game. And listen, let, let me get another one. Uh, Bobby Huco and, um, and Mitch Mortaza. That was the best game that they called. I, I got to give it to them. I mean, it was a lot. It was a lot of juicy storylines in this game. But you got to give a shout out to those guys because they really did a good job calling that game. It looked like they had a lot of fun. Covering that game, it was, it was a good a broadcast. To watch. It was a great broadcast. Yeah, I thought they did an excellent job. But it was just—it was a really fun game to watch. It was a fun game to call, obviously. Um, but yeah, man, it was a very exciting game. I loved watching that game. But it was a lot of emotion out there, a lot of tears, uh, you know, a lot of fights, and a lot of you know crying after the game, and rightfully so. Dakota Hughes, this being her last game. Um, Chris Del Harris, she wanted to come out and show her old team that, you know, 
Uh, they made a mistake letting her go, and then she ended up taking that loss in Atlanta once again, getting beaten down by Chicago. I mean, they just cannot get off that schneid against that team. So it was just a, it was just a great game overall. But you got to take your hat off to Chicago. They had an answer for everything, and they showed what kind of championship team that they are. You got to love the way you know what Coach had going forward, and you really also have to be looking forward to a Chicago Nashville matchup especially with the playoffs coming up soon, that's going to be a bomb down I mean, I'm, I'm definitely tuning in for that one. I can't wait to see that game and see how both of those teams kind of equip themselves. Early on, you would say Nashville will probably have the edge, but Nashville hasn't had the, the test that Chicago has had. So I'm, I'm right now, I just it's going to be a great game to watch. But, you know, watching both of those teams, they were, they were pumping on all cylinders. Yeah, that was a great, great matchup. Uh, I think – this is uh, um, Dane Robinson's biggest obstacle that he has to get through, and that's uh, usually Coach Hacken. Very competitive game on both sides. The next matchup this coming weekend, it is Seattle Miss taking on the Austin Acoustic. The Acoustic uh, needs, needs, needs to win, and at this point this past weekend, it was not the Acoustic winning. It was Seattle. You get to watch it this weekend. Seattle Miss uh, basically wins – this past weekend, you get to watch it. So you watch it on YouTube. We'll uh, actually link it up and everything else coming up this Saturday. And then uh, you'll have that option to uh, take a look at it. But overall, the uh, Legends Football League playoffs, as of right now for these two matchups, Seattle needs to win out the last two games and, and a greater point differential than LA, which I think they have already in the bank. So they got to win the next two games, which they beat Austin this past weekend. You'll get to see it on Saturday. And then LA is eliminated basically based on point differential. If Nash, if Seattle has a bigger point differential, Chicago three and zero. They just got to beat uh, Omaha, which is just a lot for anyways. Anyways, they beat Omaha, and uh, they have to get they have to have a great point a greater point differential. Uh, I believe the Nashville, and they would eat, they would earn the Eastern Conference. So uh, Nash uh, Austin has already earned the playoff berth. So they're just waiting to see who they will face. And I'm more than likely it's going to be Seattle for the Western Conference Championship. And then um, Atlanta at this point has been eliminated. Omaha will be eliminated as far as uh, I can tell. And so we're going to have Chicago, Nashville versus, and it's going to be Seattle, uh, Austin. And um, what can you say, Troy? I told you Austin would be here and they've proven it. Unfortunately, they're not as good as Seattle. You know, they're not as good as Seattle, and I kind of knew that going into that, you know, into this game. Um, but the one thing that you have to say about Austin that you don't say about Omaha and Denver is that they have actually made strides of improvement, and that's what you really want to see if you're, you know, if you're a fan of that team, and also especially if you're part of that organization, is that they have improved. And you were the one that alluded to it earlier. You said you called it in the beginning of the season. You said, listen, I, I think Austin is going to be a better team than people are, you know, are, are anticipating. And you definitely called it, man. I mean, they're, better, they're much better defensively. Um, they're more stout offensively also. They're taking care of the football and shit. So I, I like them going forward. Just look, Are they going to be able to make that next jump? Because, listen, they are right for, you know, uh, to getting into that division to start to take over that division if they can. I mean, Seattle was a little bit down, especially with, you know, kind of the, some of the losses that they had. And, well, of course, you anticipate that Seattle will also get better in this offseason. 
Austin has a good chance to, to respond and, and, and start to build on something this year. And if they can get a little bit more players, some playmakers, and obviously, um, you know, show up some more of that defensive, uh, that defensive side of the ball, it looks good for them going forward. So, uh, Troy, it is set technically as, as we stand right now. It will be a Seattle-Austin rematch for the Western Conference Championship. So you can't build it any better than that. So Austin literally has to prove that they want it more. Because uh, the way Michelle Angel has been playing, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're going to have to prove it really good. Because this girl is just playing just real good football. Real good football. So hats off to Seattle. Yeah. And they're, uh, obviously their resurgence. Um, and so they, this is it. Seattle-Austin probably going to be the Western Conference Final. And you obviously know Chicago-Nashville. Uh, Jane Caldwell versus K.K. Matheny. That right there is going to be a good one. Ooh, man, that's ooh, that's going to be tough, man. That's that's going to be a tough game. I mean, for both of those girls, I mean, and just the way that both of they're not used to losing. That's the thing. I mean, both of those teams are championship caliber teams, and so this is going to be it's going to be crazy, man. I, I I'm really looking forward to watching that game. I just want to see. I think it's really going to come down to who makes the most mistakes. You know, because both of those teams are, like I said, they're accustomed to winning. So how are they going to respond when that adversity shows up? You know, when you have that first turnover, you know, against that, you know, juggernaut squad. I mean, you got two juggernauts going against each other. How are they going to respond when, you know, they get hit the mouth? And I just think both of those teams are just, they got so much toughness and so much leadership and so much athleticism. We'll see how it pans out. I just definitely can't wait to see that. I, you know, I'm definitely tuning in for that one. And, and you know what, we will have that for you guys after the game. We'll definitely come back and, and, and talk shop with you guys and let you guys know what happened. And hopefully you guys also tune in to check that game out. That one right there, that may be one of the games for the ages. I think that may be probably one of the best LFL games, the most anticipated LFL games that we've seen in a long time. So you guys definitely don't oh, yeah. miss that one. So check it that's going to be awesome. Um, let's go into the next No Joke Football Huddle, sponsored by Zazzle.com. And we're going to have in the house Joe Vincent. And Joe Vincent was the former announcer of the Kansas City Titans. And then, obviously, he's followed the team for a long time. And, Joe, welcome to the show. You're on with uh, Troy Wilson, myself, Oscar Lopez. Hey, Oscar, how are you doing? How can you hear me through the phone contact right now? We're, we're, we're good. You, you sound good. Yep. Awesome. Great, man. I've, I've got a little setup going on here, so I'm just trying to make sure that I come through clear. No, you're good. Um, Joe, you wanted to come on and kind of discuss some of the things that we talked about last podcast about how the Kansas City game kind of went away when they had an opportunity to win against Los Angeles, especially with that defense playing almost three and a half quarters and holding L.A. to literally uh, you know, almost three points or so. Um, but yeah. you know what? I don't know what you know what they were thinking at this point. They had an opportunity to Atlanta, and they sort of didn't execute as well. And they were playing around with the three quarterback set and two quarterback set. And you would think in a big game right. like this, you would have gone with, you know, the better quarterback. Which at this point, based on stats and everything else, it would have been Leash. Yeah. So you know, this has kind of been a. a I don't want to call it a running joke, but it's kind of been just one of those things that uh, has been, you know, noticeable throughout the season. Uh, it's been noticeable among the players. It's been something that's been talked about all, all season, really. 
And it's really unfortunate because, um, you know, you get to this point, the players have just battled all year. And, and not to take anything away from any of the players that are, that are you know, trying to, trying to do their job on the field, but they're only doing what the coaches have asked them to do. So, you know, Haley's out there, Brooks out there. They're both trying their hardest to do, you know, whatever they can. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, if you've done the film study, if you've watched the games, if, if you pass the eye test, uh, you know who the, who the best players are in that moment in a playoff game, no less. Uh, to make things happen, and the fact that the fact that um, they were still continuing to treat this game like it was a, a mid-season, you know, maybe third quarter, you're up 21 points type of a situation where you can just keep swapping players back and forth, especially at the quarterback position, which is just mind-boggling to me in that kind of a game uh, that's that close in the fourth quarter. Um, you're trying to get that momentum. You're only down two points, and you keep doing that, and I just I don't know what else they honestly expected to happen, but for something fluky like that to happen, where neither quarterback is really getting into a complete rhythm, and next thing you know, you you know you give up the ball, and it's a major turnover, a momentum swing when you're already down, and you know at that point the the just wind goes right out of the sails of both the players uh, and the fans, to be quite honest, and you could almost just uh, uh, count that game as a loss as soon as that happened. It was really really unfortunate. And you would think, uh, Joe, the way the defense played, I mean, I'm, I kept watching that game, and I just kind of felt sorry in the last quarter because the defense kept you in the game, and you could not, as yeah. a coaching staff, put together a better offensive scheme. That was just not right for, you know, it, when you watch football, even whether it be high school or whether it be in any level of football, when you got a defense yeah. that is literally keeping you in the game, you got to come up with some better scheme. You have Liz Sowers, an all-world receiver, okay? You right. have an all-world receiver. You, you're telling me you can't make play calls for Liz Sowers? That's just not yeah. good. Well, not only that, but you got Brett Williams, who is, you know, number one running back in the entire league uh, with, you know, nearly 1,000 yards rushing and 21 touchdowns, more than double the next closest running back. Um, and, and then you have a quarterback in Brooklyn Shoop, um, you know, I'm a little bit biased, but this isn't my first rodeo in sports and in broadcasting and, and, and doing statistical analysis and video review. I've been doing this for a long time. And, and when you watch her on the field at 17 years old, this girl has the mobility and, and uh, a playmaking ability that allows you to be able to scheme around that, that that helps you to utilize those other players like Liz and like Brittany. And that mobility, at the very least, is going to keep defenses on their toes and allow you to do things like uh, – rollouts and, and bootlegs and uh, options and you name it. Uh, there's, there's just so many other things you can do with a quarterback that has that kind of mobility and, and the arm that she has um, that's just, um, like you mentioned earlier, it's just really mind-blowing that, you know, this defense is so good. And when you watch that defense play, and it's even better in person, when you're watching these girls in person, uh, and I could go and name you, you know, three, four, five players, uh, I mean, the whole team collectively on defense is just outstanding, but there are some just core players on that defense that every single play, not a single play is taken off, and you watch them fight like they did and like they do every game, really. But in this game, they are just asking for these coaches to let them, you know, get this reward uh, of all of this effort and work that they're putting in to just shut this team down. And then you, then you see them, after all of that work, just lose it all because uh, of, of the really poor scheming. And you're right. It, it's, you put a quarterback in there, no offense, you know, to, to the other quarterback, but you've got no mobility. 
you're limited with that quarterback with your play calling where you're, you're going to get nothing but uh, quick outs and, and, you know, two to five-yard hitches and, and maybe some screens if you can throw those in there. Um, that's just what you're going to get. And so the defense knows, hey, we can attack uh, running back blitz and dogs all day long and, uh, and bring six or seven to the quarterback because she can't go anywhere. And when you put your offense in that kind of situation and you give them no other options, um, you, you know, you, you get what, what happened in, in last week's game, and that is a close game that ultimately was lost because that offense couldn't produce, and, and I put that on the coaches entirely. Yeah, and you know what? The, the biggest downer of it all was when they get the ball back, they get to go offensively one more time. They literally put up some sort of a fight, but then all of a sudden, you know, L.A. comes back and then just gasses the defense. And you already knew once right. the defense got gassed, it was kind of much game over at that point. Yeah, and what else can you expect? Again, you fight that hard all game, and, you know, you see the other team, you know, starting to, to get some of that momentum late in the game after a big turnover from your offense. And, and you know, it, it does your energy just kind of comes out of you, and you say, what else do we got to do? And, you know, that's human nature, and, and I'm not at all going to put this on the defense at all at the end of that game. There's just no way you can do that. You know, you can't, you can't, um, you can't expect them um, uh, to do what, what, you wouldn't expect any other defense to do, even if they are one of the best defenses in the league, and they are. Um, I will I will say this, too. Um, the Titans team is really interesting. They are the most penalized yardage-wise throughout the season as well as penalties throughout the season, and I think that's also a reflection of the disorganization of the coaching staff. Um, the, the, they're, not, they're not very um, – um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, um, Discipline? Oh, I, I can't find it. Yeah, discipline. Thank you. Yeah, they're not really as disciplined as you'd like to see them, and I think that a lot of that has to do with with some of that internal um, fighting that's kind of going on, you know, among some of the players, among the coaching staff with the players, among the offense and the defense. And um, it's really sad because the offense has been explosive at times during the season. They they have a really great explosive ability both in the running and the passing game, and yet they limit themselves with the play calling and some of this, you know, cute quarterback swapping. Uh, scheme that they like to do. Well, I can tell you right hey, now, hey, watching the game, under, go ahead, Troy. Hey, I, I, I'm sorry. I, 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 I question. And, I, and, and it, it may be a little bit controversial, but, I mean, listen, this, this sure. Kansas City team has been dealing with turmoil and politics and infighting all the season. What, what's, what is the – What's the biggest issue? Like, what, what is your field as far as, like, what the problem is with this team as far as, like, why they can't get along, why they can't get on the same page? I mean, because it seems like uh-huh. this has gone on all year long. And despite all of that, they have won games. And they have beaten uh-huh. teams ahead. And then all of a sudden they just go off of the script. What is the issue? Yeah. I just I don't understand that. Like, if, if winning cures all, then right. find the best way to win I think we're all saying the same thing, but what is your feel for that? Why are they doing this now? Um, well, again, you know, I, I don't want to I don't want to call certain people out, um, that, you know, heavily on the on the radio. I mean, I have my own personal feelings because I was there at least for the first half of the season. I was right in the middle of it all. Um, I was I was listening to other players give me their opinions. I was listening to other um, uh, people up in the booth that were giving me their opinions that were very close to the team, uh, other players that weren't playing this year because, you know, they, they have other things going on, but they were still there in the booth watching the game. And they have a lot of history with both the players and the coaches. And when, when I think you have a behind-the-scenes look at it, you know, you get more information than, than your average viewer would see. And I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. From my perspective, you know, 
you're always going to have issues with players on a team, no matter what team you're on. you, you got that many players from different backgrounds and that kind of diversity, and you're always going to have players that have their differences and, and that sort of thing. And, and it's competition, right? So, so you, you expect that, that kind of division to, to, to potentially crop up. But what usually holds it together is two things. Number one is winning, like you said, and that's usually a direct reflection of the ability of your coaches to bring the players together, both with, with their, their attitude, their camaraderie, and also their scheming, their ability to, to use the talent the most effectively to create those wins, um, you know, based on the play calling and all, and getting everybody to buy in together as one unit. And, um, you know, I see the talent that's on this team, and I, I truly, this is my opinion, I've seen the Vixen and I've seen, the L, you know, L.A. and I've seen these other teams play. I truly believe, as unbiased as possible if I could, looking from the outside in, that the Titans team has the most talent collectively and some of the top players, you know, individually that you're going to find anywhere in the entire league. And I think they could have easily gone to Atlanta and dominated and even possibly won the whole thing. Um, I think, and this is my opinion from what I observed, from what I witnessed, is you have, you have a coaching staff that's not on the same page with one another. You have a coaching staff that yells and screams at, at their players when they make mistakes. Um, and, and I don't say yelling and screaming the way you typically see. You know, you're always going to have that going on. But when I, I mean, they're degrading when mistakes happen. You, you see these coaches um, uh, with the scheming that they that they have called. The, you know, the, with the quarterback division. Let me put you this way: just using the quarterback as one example. All right, on this team. If you if you're going to coach a team at this level, the city pro level or a pro level. Um, you know, like this in the WFA, or even in the NFL, if you're going to have two quarterbacks, and again, this is competitive, this isn't Rex, this isn't some, you know, low-level thing where we're just trying to find, you know, a bunch of kids that can play and have a good time and get trophies or something, this is a semi-pro ball. If you're going to put two quarterbacks, very different quarterbacks from very different you're going to have each of them start almost every single game 50% of the time, for your team to divide. That is the key position. Of your, that, that's your chief position, the, the person that's out there leading the way, leading the charge for your team. And, it, you know, wh- whether you pick one or the other, that's a coaching call. But when you're trying to pick both and then you want to maybe call it a season thing, I, don't, I just don't know how you can expect anything other than dividing the team because what's going to happen when you do that is you're going to create a team where half the players are going to want that one quarterback to play and the other half are going to want the other quarterback to play, and half the time it's going to have nothing to do with either one of their abilities. It's a lot of it's going to have to do with their personal relationships or how much they like the person or whatever it might be. And then you get the players divided against one another because, um, you know, that they're siding with that one quarterback or the other quarterback for whatever the reasons might be, and you're creating an atmosphere of division. And I think that's one of the reasons you see that this Titans team – is one of the least disciplined teams. They have the highest amount of penalties and penalty yardage from the whole league. Uh, I think that's also why, despite their talent and their ability to overcome a lot of those mistakes, because let me just tell you, when you watch the game and you watch the video and you go back and you rewatch all of that, even though they did dominate some of those games and they did win, you know, eight of those games throughout the season, there was a lot of times they made some really bad calls and there was a lot of mistakes that could have cost the Titans some games uh, and they were overcome I would I would say entirely because of the talent on the field. Uh, that that team's just so talented, they were able to win in spite of those coaches. And um, and again, you know, I, I'm a little bit biased. I know Brooks. Um, you know, I've, I've noticed that she was a little girl, so there's obviously some bias there. But 
Um, as an objective observer, I wasn't the only one that, you know, that was making those observations and that could see that every game, game in, game out. And, again, if you're going to coach and choose to put two quarterbacks every single game out there like that, you're going to cause an atmosphere for division to happen, and that's exactly what took place throughout the season. Do you anticipate any changes that are going to come to that organization after this, After this, you know, the way that they ended the season? And I, I don't want to call it a debacle, but, I mean, you got to say that this is a complete just bust as far as underachievement. And I agree with yeah. you. I think they had the, the, the talent to, to definitely win the title this But do you anticipate any changes, especially, like, at all points of this organization, player-wise, coaching-wise? Um, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I really hope that coaching-wise there are some decisions that are made that, that change. I don't know how you could not make that change. Um, I, you know, I didn't talk to a single coach or person from any other team throughout the year that didn't believe that what they were wa- watching and witnessing wasn't, uh, from their perspective, a fiasco. I, I talked to other players and other teams and their coaches and, and even a few of the other commentators and the scorekeepers. I mean, everybody I talked to, I would ask, you know, what do you guys think about this? And and they would say, I, I think it's a joke, or this is, I've never seen anything like it, or uh, just the drama that goes on behind the scenes with both the coaches and their players and, and what, whatnot. Um, it, it, there's, there's so much drama that's there, regardless of whose fault it is, there just has to be change. I don't think you could possibly go into next season and not expect there to be change, regardless of what that change might be. Um, I, I would like to see most of the players return, I'll be honest. I think the players have the ability – to come together if they're brought together with the right people, uh, with the right leadership and the right uh, organizational structure from the top down, I think those players deserve better. I think they've earned and fought for something a lot better. And, and that includes even some of those players that were probably part of some of that division. I, I don't think any of those players on our team right now deserve what happened to them this year, and it's really unfortunate because they did work so hard to just have it fall, you know, just a few feet away from them. I mean, it, it was within their grasp, and they couldn't grab it. And there has to be change. If there's not change in that leadership and from those coaches, um, um, and maybe even a whole new coaching staff, I don't know. Because, like I said, it, it, it had nothing to do with the scheming and the play calling, in my opinion, that, that got that team to the eight wins they got this year, for the most part. I mean, I'm not going to say the coaches don't have anything to do with it. Obviously, they're there. But those, those players, they watch them on the field, their hustle, their grit, um, they don't take plays off, and, and you could call some of that coaching or whatever because the coaches do get them fired up. It's not all bad, right? But but they they create division while also trying to create this attitude of you know hustle and all this other stuff. And and um, um, again, if if you if you have that kind of result in the playoffs, it speaks for itself. And I just don't know how you could go into next season without expecting some sort of a radical change from the top down. Gotcha. Say, uh, Oscar, sorry about that. I had to, I had to ask those questions, man, because it's been no, no, me. It's just, dude, after, you're on point. Happened, oh man, oh man. We all knew it. We saw video. We saw, we saw huddle. We saw every other video that we. Mm-hmm. I was even. I will tell you right now, just to be, you know, on point here. I was commenting on some of the group boards and. One of the Kansas City representatives said to me to just shut my mouth. And my point yeah. is, this is the WFA. This is elevating to a level of awareness. And when you're getting elevated right. to a level of awareness, you're going to get criticized. The NFL gets criticized. Yeah. The CFL gets criticized, right? Every level That's of football right. gets criticized. College football. So, technically, 
if you want to be in the spotlight, which you apparently claim that you have a great program, we are going to dissect yeah. the program because we also have to, like you said, Joe, we also have to give the perspective of how hard these players on this squad deserve to win. They, and so yeah. when you have a, a situation where a decision is made where you're almost there to winning and you cannot come up with an offensive scheme with, because you're choosing one or two quarterbacks over that, you basically hinder right. the opportunity for all that effort with the defense. I mean, the defense, if I had to watch all the games all through the season, this Kansas City defense, okay, has probably the best defense in the WFA. If you, if yeah, you had to put far. it down together, they played so much. Yep. And to go up against LA with a bunch of all-stars, and we're talking even the, the WFA owner, Lisa King, Mary Rose Roach, yeah. you know, you're talking Priscilla Gardner, Aaron Collins, you got Chantel Wiggins, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. a bunch of all-stars mm-hmm. on the other team. And for you to hold them to 9-7 yeah. to seven for three and a half quarters, that is right. an, an injustice to the defense. That's my only point. That's the yeah. reason I wanted to bring you on because – I want to make a, a make a spotlight on the fact that the the Titans squad was not the issue here. That the coaching staff yeah. needs to look at themselves and say, why did we fail our in the, one of the most important games, one step closer to the championship, because you didn't want to play one of the other quarterbacks and you didn't feel like you know going with one quarterback, which is just sad. But um, Joe, thank you for coming on and uh, bringing us some uh, some attention to this. Hopefully. Uh, whoever's listening to us in terms of the WFA and the Kansas City players and everybody around them, they got things they got they got to deal with and they got to work out. Like you said, for next season, they got to get to a situation yeah. where they're a good squad. They need to elevate their coaching staff, I think, to a level to marry that amount of effort that the players put on the field, uh, because that just doesn't just doesn't do well for them, especially on a pay-to-play type mentality. You would think at this right. point, you know, the coaching staff would want to use every available player with the highest caliber to get you to the next win because everybody else on that roster deserves to move on to the next level. And so that's what we see in Boston. That's what we see in Los Angeles. That's what we see in Minnesota. That's what we see in New York. That's what we see in, our, in Arkansas. And that's what we see in Orlando. And guess where they're at? They're in Atlanta. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and, so, and I'll just kind of really quick to close this off, man, just to kind of tee off on what you just said. Same exact thing. If you signed up for this job and you're wanting this to be a semi-pro thing and, and really have the attention that you're that you're looking for, then you better expect that kind of criticism and you better expect um, to be uh, in a public spotlight. And if you're not willing to take those questions and, and to have the critical review, then you're in the wrong profession. You need to find another job and be coaching somewhere else at a lower level where you're not going to have that kind of attention brought to yourself. And you know, I was I was basically told, you know, through four weeks as a broadcaster and an analyst, um, we're not going to answer any questions to you. And this was internally, just, you know, asking a few questions about stats and whatnot. We're not going to answer any questions to anyone who's not on our coaching staff about play calls or about statistics or anything, regardless of what the questions might be. And let me just tell you, at that point, those questions were very vague and very simple. And the fact that they were unwilling to even communicate with one of the, the players, the people that they hired, to broadcast and analyze their game uh, said everything I needed to know at that point through four weeks. So, I agree. So I, time, hope Lisa King, I, I, hope, I hope Lisa King's listening to this because that's an issue all the way around for branding. That's an issue for branding. Mm-hmm. When you're not available yeah. to the media, that's an issue for branding. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. Mm-hmm. That's from one owner. And, and be it a successful organization that wants to close the playoffs, doesn't want to answer questions to the media or anything like that, that's that's right. not a good sign right. for the brand. So, all right, Joe, well, thank you very I, much for coming on. 
Hey, you bet. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Have a great evening. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. Hey, you bet. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to it again. So, Troy, there you go. Um, I, I just needed to get this out because it's not the only organization in the WFA that probably goes through this internal stuff. But because of the fact that they had a spotlight on a phenom quarterback that they were not even putting out front and center, that right there just irks me. You have a, 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 a good quality quarterback. You had an amazing defense, and you decided to botch the offensive side of the ball and sacrifice your defense for three and a half quarters, which is ridiculous. You know, we, we talked about the two-quarterback system um, a couple weeks or a, a while ago. And I was, you know, sort of a proponent for the two-quarterback system. I think, you know, if if it's working, you know, if you got two – some people say if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have any quarterbacks. I'm, I'm on the standpoint of if it works, then let it keep working. But if you're – if you have one quarterback that is clearly better than the other, and you're not giving that quarterback a shot, especially in the biggest game of the year, you know the game that's going to push you, you know, into the championship game. I don't. I just don't get the logic. I don't understand. I don't get it. I, I really don't get it. I just, you know, I wish there was. Some logical reason for that, but I just think that this instance is just by logic. Maybe we'll never know what would happen with this, but I'm going to tell you one thing. Most players, their coaching staff, and everyone in that organization, I think eventually they're going to look back on this time and they're going to, they're going to know that they really missed a legitimate shot to become a champion. And, uh, you know, hopefully they get it together, man. I mean, hopefully some way – you know, they write this shit, but they, you know, they get all this inner turmoil and all of that stuff out of the way and whatever's going on. I don't even want to speculate as to, you know, why these things happen the way that they happen and why it pan out the way that it did. Um, I just, I'm just at a loss. I just, I, I've heard that this happened. I saw that and I was just shocked. I was really shocked at, you know, how this kind of just fell apart in the way that it happened. Honestly, I just think, you know, if it was some nefarious stuff going on behind the scenes, which it sounds like it was, I honestly think that the people that's involved in that, the decision makers, they honestly be ashamed of themselves. And they need to at some point look themselves in the mirror and say to yourself, if it's an emotional decision that they made to do or not do whatever, whatever happened, maybe they shouldn't be in the sport. Maybe they shouldn't be yep. involved in competition. And, yep. you know, that's just a hard they're just going to have to figure out at some point. But, you know, that's just my take on it. I, again, I don't know what happened, and I'm not going to speculate, but some people are going to have to take a hard look at themselves and, and try to figure out what they're going to do, the weather they need to be in the tent or not. Yeah, I mean, you know what? And, unfortunately, you get to a state here where you're going to – uh, some players are just going to go away when you had a good core of team in, in, in Kansas City. Some players, as Joe says, they might decide to just hang it up and move on to something else or do something, which is a shame in that sense. But the opportunity was there for the Titans to get to Atlanta, and unfortunately the Warriors took advantage of that opportunity, and they saw what they saw in a non-mobile quarterback, and they took advantage of it, and 
they're in Atlanta now facing Boston and going for the hardware. So, um, so you guys can go to facebook.com, Gridiron Beauties, get the latest on what's happening internationally. So before we get out of here, um, just let you know, the Maple League in Finland, week five, July 21st through 22nd, Roosters 16-7 to over the Saints. Saints are literally uh, 0-5. They were upgraded from Division One to the Maple League, and they're struggling this first year. Uh, Valkyries 8. Uh, they lose to the champion Helsinki Wolverines 9-8, to which was a classic matchup there, very defensive, very defensive top matchup there. Uh, week 6 coming up, July 28th through the 29th. It is the Helsinki Wolverines will be taking on the Tampere Saints. Tampere looking for the first one of the season. Wolverines look to just finish off strong. Uh, Roosters taking on Helsinki. Roosters taking on the St. Petersburg Valkyries. Always a classic matchup here. The standings, Helsinki 5-0. 142 to 43, only giving up a 43 points a game. Uh, Roosters, Helsinki, three and two, 72 and 85. Valkyries, two and three, 122 to 100. And the Tampere Saints, 0 and five, giving up 166 points uh, for the season. So they're struggling big time. Semifinals will happen on August 11th. Looks right now as it stands, the Helsinki Wolverines will be taking on the first division winner, which would be Coropo Steelers going to be Coopo Steelers or Turco Trojans, which they will play the final this weekend in Division, uh, the Division One final. Coopo Steelers, Turco Trojans, they will be the, the representative uh, against the Helsinki Wolverines uh, for the semifinals on August 11th. And then Roosters, as it stands right now, Helsinki Roosters taking on the St. Petersburg Valkyrie, which would be a big-time rematch. And uh, so it's going to be pretty exciting times in Finland. In Germany right now, Germany D- Division Two League. The standings are pretty clear. Hamburg Devils six and one in the north. Uh, the Spandau Bulldogs five and one. Uh, standings in the southeast in Germany. Elden Jander Sharks undefeated six and zero. Oh. Over in the group southwest, it is Stuttgart Scorpions were strong all year five and zero. Oh. The uh, the Kalheim Kal- Hurricanes three and two still battling for that second spot. Uh, in the other uh, in the uh, the other group, Cal, uh, Cologne Ronan seven and one, Bacha Miners five and two, Belfold uh, also four and four. And this past weekend, it was kind of competition. Brunswick forty nine to six over Emden. It was Elgin Ti- Tiger uh, Sharks forty eight to twelve over Resingen Phoenix. The Belfold Bulldogs twenty to fourteen over the uh, Hanover Grizzlies. The Starlon Hurricanes fifty to thirteen over the Mannheim squad. And so uh, we'll keep you updated on our Twitter and Facebook page heating up here as the German League Division Two uh, is heating up for playoff mode over in Europe, as well as the Maple League trying to finish strong here also in the next couple weeks. So uh, right there, Troy, overseas as well, competition happening, as well as the WFA National Championship coming up this weekend in Atlanta. Yeah, a lot of football, a lot of championships, man. I mean, this is that time of year, you know. Um, you know, especially in the WFA. I mean, these you got these three big games coming up, and man, where I, I can't wait to check this out, man. This is going to be great. Um, you know, yeah, congratulations to the teams that are playing in the championship games. Um, looking forward to finding out the results and, and seeing how everything pans out. All right, and Troy, we can't forget uh, Legends Football League this weekend. Can't miss it. Seattle Miss, Michelle Angel taking on Michelle Marshall and the Austin Acoustic uh, via LFL um, Legends Football League on YouTube as well. It's going to be a pretty awesome game, so don't forget to watch that. 
If you haven't watched the Atlanta versus Chicago game, uh, it's a good watch there as well, as Troy said, in Legends Football League 2018. So check that out. So next week we'll be back. We will see the results of the national championship final in Atlanta, the WFA national championship finals. You can watch, I believe, Orlando and Arkansas. We will get the link up, I believe, on Facebook Live. And then uh, Division Two, Minnesota, New York, Boston, L.A. will be on ESPN3. So we'll get you the links up there on our Facebook page. Don't forget to go to our No Joke Football page uh, at uh, Zazzle.com forward slash Beauties. Buy a shirt, T-shirt, anything else, leggings. Check it out. Uh, support the cause. And, uh, and you can also use the daily code. So uh, for Oscar Lopez, for, the, uh, for Troy Wilson, our college football NFL guru here, for the absent Tracy Brick and Holly Custis and Louise Bean, uh, this has been the Gridiron Blitz. We will catch you next week as we get the results for the WFA 2018 National Championships from Atlanta. Have a great weekend, everybody. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.